Esther chapter number four. We ended last week with the thought that Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. That's 17, last verse of chapter four. Everybody there? Now let's look at chapter five. Now, it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house and the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house and it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand so Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter then said the king unto her what wilt thou queen Esther and what is thy request it shall be given thee to the half of the king mm. and Esther answered if it seem good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, cause Haman to make haste that he may do as Esther hath said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. Let the church say amen. Our Father, we pray you add thy blessing to the reading of your word, for it is already blessed. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to preach what thus saith the Lord. Hide me behind the cross of Christ. Do what you do, God. and Help us, Lord, to do what we're supposed to do. We love you. We thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. We've spent the last several weeks discussing the response to the evil plot. I'm saying this was when Haman, the promoted servant of Hazarus, puts together a scheme to destroy the people of God. By the way, live for God long enough, somebody is going to scheme to destroy you. We shouldn't be surprised about that. I was saying this week where I was preaching that Jesus said if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And we have to understand that when we identify with righteousness, we identify with truth, we identify with holiness, Listen, if you're living in a dirty world and you're clean, and you're living in a dark world and you're light, you're living in a bad world and you're good, you're living in a world that's run by Satan and you're living for Jesus, expect to be schemed on. This is exactly what happened. This is what Haman is doing, devising an evil plot. 
The engaged perception of Mordecai is the response to that. His putting on sackcloth and ashes, his objecting to, in other words, I'm not going to acquiesce to the plan. I'm not going to go along with the plot. I'm not going to let evil that's been set in motion by evildoers be the way I'm going to live. In other words, I'm not going to settle for foolishness. That's what Haman says. So he responds. Responds as best as he knows how. He puts on sackcloth and ashes, he begins to mourn. And you, you've, understood, you've understood the next several verses of chapter number four. He does it in such a way it travels to the palace. Esther finds out. She tells him, you really can't be dressed like that. He says, yes, I will. She finds out why there's a plot against us. She finds out what's taking place. He urges her to, her to do something about it. She tells him how dangerous it is to do what she said. Let me tell you something. Live for God. You're going to have to get used to some danger. You, you, you're going to have to be in harm's way. You, you're going to have to put yourself out there. You, you're going to have to risk some things. And Esther comes to agreement with the fact, if, if I'm going to do right, I may risk some things. If I'm going to do right, I may subject myself to danger. If I'm going to do right, I may put my neck on the line. But Mordecai reminds her that God brought you to the kingdom. God put you in this place. God set you in this location. By the way, I don't believe he brought us this far to leave us now. Amen. He put you here. He made you pretty. He kept you pure. He let me parent you. He's placed you you in the palace for such a time as this. Your beauty wasn't for a pageant. Your beauty wasn't to get complimented. Your, your, your spot in the palace wasn't for you to get autographs. You're not here just to fulfill your dream. You're not here just to look good, to get social media followers. You're here because God has a purpose and a plan. And when God intersects why you are with who you are, you discover destiny. Can I say something to you? There's not a person on planet earth that God doesn't have a plan for. He made you a certain way. He put you in a certain place. He ordained a certain time. He has a specific purpose. My prayer that every time we come together as a church family, every time we sit under the sound of the word of God, that God introduces us to a little bit more of that purpose, a little bit more of that destiny, that we leave the service on Wednesday night plugged in more in purpose, plugged in more in destiny, moving further down the path, that we're not just meandering our way through life, just getting out to bed and making it back to the bed and saying, I just want to breathe. I just want to survive. I just want to pay my bills. I just want to get through the week. I just want to do my job. I just want to mind my business. No, 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 no. The goal is that God has situated me on planet earth. My name may not be Esther. I may not be a queen. I may not be in a palace. I may not make a bunch of money. I may never hold political office. I may not have a bunch of influence. I may not stand on a platform. People may never know my name, but the God of the universe has written out a plan that only I can fulfill. You're the only you that exists. Nobody can be you, one of a kind, created for a purpose. So this engaged perception. She finally concludes, I'm going, I'm going. Y'all pray for me, I'm going to pray for myself. Y'all pray, I'm going to pray. Y'all fast, I'm going to fast. The maidens and I are going to fast, you all fast. Let's get together. Listen to me, intercessory prayer is not asking people to pray for you. It's asking them to pray while you pray. You should never ask anybody to hit your knees for something you won't hit your knees for. You should never ask somebody to fast. You won't fast. 
I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm getting hold of God. Thank God that we have the boldness to enter the Holy of Holies. Thank God that the great high priest made a way. Somebody say amen. That we could go into the very presence of God. I'm asking you at 7.40 p.m. on this Wednesday evening, there are just a few more hours, four more hours and 20 minutes in this day. I know you ate, I know you drove, I know you did this, I know you did that. I'm asking you sometime in this 24 hours of a lot of time, did you go to the place that Jesus made a way for you to go. Did you visit God today? Because I'm telling you, if you didn't, it wasn't because you lack access. Men aren't always to pray in our faith. We don't come to church to pray. We come to church because we belong at church. We pray while we're at church, but church is not the only place we pray. I'm going, I'm going. And if I perish, I perish. What a strong statement. And so she, she decides she's going to go. And we end, we end there with Esther, really, in a partnership with Mordecai. In other words, Esther did her part. Mordecai did his part. He, he left there standing in his place. His personal obligation and his proper obedience. Esther's going to go before the king. But just because I'm not in the spot of going before the king doesn't mean I don't have a job to do. Can I say something to you? There's nothing more beautiful in this age of dispensation that you and I are alive than how the Lord works and moves through the organism, the local church. I'm getting a little bit of ring in here. There's nothing more special than the local church because everybody has a part, amen? And, and may we not fall into the human instinct that if I, if I don't have to do the major role, if, if I'm not somebody that everybody sees, then I get to take my time off. Thank God that while we're up here tonight, somebody's sitting down watching children, somebody's teaching those toddlers, somebody's in here. Thank God that somebody's watching the parking lot so you still have your hubcaps when you leave. Amen. Somebody's watching the sound. Somebody's counting the money. Somebody's making sure everything's. Thank God that somebody's spraying down the pew so we, we hope we can get some of these germs out of here. Thank God that somebody's doing something. Somebody's got to preach. Somebody's got to sing. Somebody's got to lead. Somebody's got to play. Somebody's got to run the camera. Somebody's got to turn it on. Somebody's got to try to fix things when things go wrong. Listen to me. Nobody's bigger than anybody else. Nobody's more important than anybody else. Everybody's got a job to just because people can't see you doing your job doesn't mean your job's not important. Esther standing before the king, but she's up there before the king, depending on Mordecai praying in the background. That's why you got to do your part. You got to be in your place. You have a class to teach teachers. You got nurture to, nurture to watch. watch. You, you, you got to talk. Well, if I rob God this week, it ain't going to matter. I don't give that much to God. That's not how much you give. It's about doing what you're supposed to do. We have, to, we have to understand this is a partnership. We are laborers together. We are laborers together from the whole body fitly joined together. And this story is a great picture of a partnership. Some people look bigger than others and are comely parts that Ephesians teaches us about and Corinthians teaches us about. Some parts of our body that are more visible. When you walk up to somebody, you don't say, that's a beautiful esophagus you have. You, you, you never identify a pretty, she's, she, she's such a pretty girl. She's, she's got just, a, just a, a, an attractive small intestine. Nobody says that. No, no, nobody, nobody walks up to someone and says, I tell you what, that's the, that's the most gorgeous lung I've ever seen. But I tell you one thing, get rid of your lung, you got problems. We can see your nose, we can see your eyes, we can see your lips, but you can't have a good nose, a good eye, and a good lip if you don't got a good lung. And may God help us not to rank 
our significance by what is visible. And not to downgrade our importance because it's not recognizable. And by the way, if you serve God for God, you don't serve God because you're recognized. You serve God because he's God. Some people won't do it if you don't notice them. You don't compliment them. You don't tell them. You don't rec- listen, listen, you should be glad. I should be glad that I get to work for God. Mordecai says, I'm going to go do my job. I may not be the queen, but the queen being queen is dependent upon the servants praying for her. Pray for your Sunday school teachers. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your leaders. Pray for one another. Just because you're not in the prison ministry doesn't mean you can't pray for people in the prison ministry. Well, I'm not in the choir. I'm glad I'm not in the choir. Pray for those in the choir. I don't sing. Pray for those who are singing. Listen to me. We're all in partnership. Everybody them stand there and say amen. Now look at chapter number five. Chapter five. We're going to move on. Because we, we saw an evil plot. We saw an engaged perception. Tonight I want you to write down, and we'll give you a few thoughts on it, an effective plan. Now we gotta, we gotta, get, we gotta get something done. Please listen, listen. Understand the sequence. There is no effective plan if there's no engaged perception. Listen. We sit down and figure out how to get something done when we first perceive there's a need. See, see, nobody, nobody becomes a vibrant soul winner until he really realizes souls are going to hell. Nobody becomes a prayer warrior until he realizes that's the only way that action can take place. It's Mordecai understanding there's a bullseye on us. There's an attack on us. There's a genocide that's being attempted on us. We've got to do something about it. This is what forces Esther out of her comfort zone. I'm going to tell you this to me. I'm going to tell you why most Christians are living the Christian life in a comfort zone. We think very little about hell. Most Christians don't think much about hell because why you have to think about it? You ain't going. See, see, if I know my family's headed to hell, I can't get around them without telling them about Jesus. My neighbors are headed to hell. I can't get around them without telling them about Jesus. See, see, see the plan is necessitated by the perception. It's, it's, no, listen, nobody runs for shelter if he doesn't know he's under attack. Ladies and gentlemen, Satan is on the prowl. He has set a plot out to destroy those that God loves. Now, somebody that knows what they've perceived needs to come up with a plan. Here's Esther's plan. Look at it. Here's the plan. Poised actions. Look at chapter number five. Now, it came to pass on the third day. The third day of what? What have they been doing for two days? Praying and fasting. Praying and fasting. She said in the, in the future, she said in verse number 16, look what she said. Go gather together all the Jews, this is chapter number four, that are present at Shushan and fast for me and neither eat nor drink. What? How many? Three days. Now verse number five. Now it came to pass on to what? Anybody listening? She said we're going to pray and fast for three days. Chapter number five. 
three days up. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you something, Christian. You come to church, get on this altar, and you say, Lord, something's got to be done. I can't live this way. I can't go back home the same way I went. You come to church and make some decisions. You read your Bible and say, God convicted me. I've got to make some commitments. Listen to me. You get on your knees and say, God, help me when I leave this building to live for God. Can I tell you, the time between you make the commitment and having to keep the commitment is going to expire. Those three days are going to run out. It came to pass. See, there comes a day when your perception must turn into a plan. We can't live the Christian life just perceiving, oh, this is, this is rough, this is bad, I'm convicted, I put my hand up, God spoke to me. That's great, that's the first step. But I'm telling you something, Esther felt bad about it, Esther said if I perish, I perish, Esther knew she had to stand before the king, but you know what happens with a lot of Christians? We get in church, we know we need to change, we know we need to do right, we know God burdens us, but then three days happen, we go, oh, on second thought. Poised actions. Thank God that between the time when Esther decided I need to go and the time when the three days were up, that by the time the three days were up, she didn't just decide she needed to go. She actually went. We've got, we have got to find a way to translate perception to plan, perception to plan, perception to plan. We're so good at being spiritually aroused to the need to do something. And then we get out there and then we don't do anything. Oh, God, I'm burdened. Oh, God, I'm broken. Oh, God, I'm bothered. But see, Esther, there's only one of you in the palace. Listen, there's only one of you that's going to get up tomorrow and do what you do. I mean, a bunch of you in your office, there's only one you. And somebody's got to say, tomorrow, tomorrow's crunch time. Now I've got to live out the plan that's based on what I perceive. Poised actions. Here it is. She put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court. She's already counted the cost. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 14, count the cost. Hey, hey, don't, don't, don't set out and build a building. Don't, don't set out and build something without counting. The, here's what he's saying. Don't sign on to the Christian life in church before you count the cost because in a few hours, you're going to have to put it in practice. We need, we need, ladies and gentlemen, we need to go into this with our eyes open. This is not marbles. This is not uno. This is not... Playing cards. This, this is the work of God. We, 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 need, we need, listen, we need to come to church with a realistic mindset that when we leave here, we are entering a war zone. And there's a possibility that we may not survive physically in that war zone. But even if we go down physically, we're going in the war zone because it's all about God. Poised actions. You know what I'm finding out? Everybody, a lot of people know how to say rah rah at the pep rally. I've been in the huddles. Come on, y'all. Y'all ready to win? You, you, you ever watch them football games and watch that one guy in the middle before the game and they show it? He's pumping up everybody. Everybody scream. We're going to win. We're going to kill him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you look, you look three hours later, 35 to 3. The score is not determined by the pep rally. The score is determined by the performance on the field. Thank God for church. Shout it all out while you're in here. But the victory is not won while we're shouting. The victory is won out there when we're fighting. And I think, I think in the Christian life, and listen, I'm all for the pep rally. I mean, hype it up. I mean, it's hard to produce energy on the field if you don't have any energy before you get out there. But we have to translate it.
Sometimes we're all hype and no performance. We have to get out there and actually, Esther, Esther, we're not going to get up here and have, we going to have a prayer meeting on Wednesday night for a bunch of people that are not going to live for God on Thursday morning. She has poised actions. She's going before the king, the king that she's already articulated that if she goes before him, he doesn't hold out the golden scepter, she is going to be killed. Let's not look at this, not a Disney movie, folks. This is real. This woman goes before him, before whom she's not been in 30 days. If he doesn't hold out the golden scepter, she's done. And according to Mordecai, she's the one standing in the gap. She's already calculated. That's, that's why she's fasting and praying. Here's, here's what she's saying. The risk I'm getting ready to take, I am not willing to take without talking to God first. We're stepping in a war zone. Ladies and gentlemen, do not encounter spiritual warfare without being prepared in prayer. Poised actions. Notice the permitted access. Into sat in the royal, the king sat on the royal throne in his, in his royal house, verse one, over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther, the queen standing in the court. Notice what the Bible says. She obtained favor in his sight. Now watch this. Now. We walk by and not by. God ain't going to tell you what's going to happen all the time. Sometimes you don't get permission unless you're poised. She says, I'm getting up. I don't know. I don't know what the king's going to do. There's no guarantee. But I'm going to do what God wants me to do, even though I don't know what somebody else is going to do. And I'm going to leave the rest up to God. Isn't it amazing that when she did what she was supposed to do, God worked everything else out? Permission. Come on. Come on. Come on. All that fear. I haven't been before the king in 30 days. That's all right. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Proverbs 21, 21. Listen to me. The people in your life that are most intimidating to you, the people that you're afraid to go to, the things that you know are right that you're afraid to do, don't wait till you feel good about doing them. Do them because they're right and let God go before you and pave the way. Here's a golden scepter. Oh. Permitted access. Let me give you one more or two or three. Golden scepter. She drew near and touched the top of it. That's, that's, that's a signifier of identification. Hey, he holds it out. She touches the top. Hey, let me ask you a question. How good you think it felt for Esther to come around that corner and him to spot her and hold out that golden scepter? Listen, she, she must have thought, you know what? I'm glad I did right. Have you ever done something that you were so scared to do and you finally did and said, what was I scared about? I knew it was right. The blessing of the Lord maketh, maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow to it. There's no fear in love or perfect love casteth out all fear. Haven't you learned over the years that when I do what God tells me to do, it's not my job to protect myself. It's God's job to protect me. Stop spending all your time in life worried about what will happen when you do right. You ought to be worried what will happen if you don't do right. I'm afraid that we're, we're so scared of doing right that it has run out our fear of doing wrong. Prosperous availability. Let's close here. 
one thing to hold out the golden scepter. That's a big deal. I mean, here, here, watch this now. Esther, you can proceed to come in. Yeah, yeah. But then, then, then notice this. What wilt thou, Queen Esther? And what is thy request? Notice this next statement. It shall be given thee to the half of the kingdom. Watch this now. All she's got to do is go in there and try to get help from her people being destroyed. She's scared to ask the king just to spare her people. Before she can even ask him anything, look what he offers her. Half of the whole kingdom. And here we are. I don't want to, I'm just, I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of nerve doing right. I mean, I mean, you mean that I'm going to get in front of God's presence and ask him to help me with this and help me, help me with that. And I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know what he's going to, and before you can even get your words out, he said, how shall I not freely give you all things if I've already given you my son? Prosperous availability. We're coming in here to ask God for one thing. And before we can get it out of our mouth, God is offering half of everything he owns. Here's what I want want you to go home thinking about. Then Esther said, verse 4, if Esther answered, and Esther answered, if it seemed good unto the king, your boy that you hired is about to kill all of us and I'm your wife and I'm a Jew and my uncle is a Jew and a bunch of these people that are related to me are Jews and your boy that's about to kill us is an evil man and I want you to go get him right now. I want you to slap him upside his head. I want you to kill him. I want you to get rid of him and I want you to invest in all of us as Jews because we are the chosen people of God and the one through whom the promised Messiah must come and if you annihilate us, God's going to get... No, 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 no. Could you just come to a banquet? Here's, here's what I want you to get tonight. It's okay to get offered access and not ask for everything. So wisdom, this, this is a prudent approach on Esther. That's, that's what's wrong with us, with us sometimes as Christians. We get a little green light and we get greedy. It's not time, Esther. Just because he said he'll offer you half the kingdom doesn't mean you have to ask for it. Don't be a Christian that gets offered access to stuff and starts seeing dollar signs. Hey man, there's anything, if it, anything I can ever do for you, just ask me. Well, since you said that, listen to me, greed will destroy you. Pause, pause, pause. Sometimes we can't get access without being too aggressive. Now, she's going to get to Haman, but not her way. God's way. I wonder tonight if there's some Christians in the building just being a little aggressive. Aggressive. Going too hard after, getting a little too ahead of God. God's saying, listen, listen, don't get so excited because the scepter came out that you go running asking for stuff 
too soon. Let God be God. He's working. He's moving. Don't be hasty. Don't be in a hurry. In due season, you shall reap if you faint not. Our Father, we bless your name for Esther's example to us. We thank you. It's amazing we, we go from being terrified to ask to demanding too much. Where's the balance? How, how did we go from desperate for you to demanding from you? May your blessings not go to our head. For the times in our lives that you pour out on us more than we ever imagined. Protect us from greed, impatience, haste. In the building, wherever you are, if God's speaking to you, let him speak. Some Christians, watch this now. We talked about it first. We talked about it in Timothy, didn't we? The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted it after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They saw it, they went after it, they chased it and left God. Don't get greedy, Christian. Slow your roll. God's got a plan. And just because he gives you a little bit of access. Don't lose your wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We bless you. And we ask you for prudence, for wisdom. Help us not to ask too much, to try too hard, but to move step by step in concert with your leadership. In Jesus' name, amen.